Hello and welcome to Startup Scout. I am your host Nick Hines and this is episode 4 of the Startup Scout podcast. Have you ever worked in a company where professional development and education wasn't taken seriously? Have you ever found that it's a struggle to get courses and training signed off by managers or even that what's on offer doesn't fit with what you'd love to be learning yourself instead? Have you, as a business owner, wanted to help upskill your employees but have struggled to create a framework to manage and implement this? Or have you found that retaining employees and improving engagement is becoming a real struggle in an increasingly competitive market for top talent? In this episode, you'll hear from Carlos Lagrange, CEO and founder of Sunlight, about his employee learning and development platform, which seeks to solve all of these problems. Carlos goes in-depth with us about his journey from first concept to customers and the challenges of building a business that investors believe in and users love. After our chat, I'll wrap up with some of my thoughts in Sunlight for customers, potential employees and prospective investors going forward. Now though, let's get into the call. Carlos, thank you so much for coming on to Startup Scout. It's such a privilege to have you on the show. I recently came across Sunlight and I was so impressed by what you've achieved so far and what you've built. And so I was really eager to get you on the show. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, no worries. Thanks a lot for the uh, inviting me here, Nick. And it's, uh, it's great to be on the show. For those people out there at the moment who don't know what Sunlight is as yet, how would you describe Sunlight and, and what does it do? Sure. Uh, so basically, Sunlight is a platform that helps companies create an engaging learning culture at work uh, by facilitating their team's access to any course, book, or event in the world. And the way that we do it is essentially we create a currency that can only be used in education, which is called Sunlight. And then companies give this Sunlight to their employees for them to access you know, this learning. Basically, it's like credit. It acts as credit that can be used against these different courses and different books, etc. Exactly, yeah. Okay, brilliant. So how did you come to create Sunlight then, Carlos? What's your background? Uh, yeah, so essentially my background is in mostly design. Uh, but it's not because I formally studied design or went to design school. Um, I just actually became like naturally interested in it when I was 14 or so. So uh, I taught myself, right? Um, and having discovered that ability to basically teach myself new skills, which I oftentimes found were like more relevant than what I was being taught at school. <laughs> I kind of grew a bit critical of the education system as a whole, right? So from that criticism, I guess, I developed a passion for changing the way you think about education. And I just came up with this idea of an educational currency, right? Um, because if you think about it, right, the only purpose of schools, universities, um, is basically the concentration of educational resources, right? You have one place, you have books, you have teachers, you have all these places uh, where you can go and, and learn, right? But nowadays, with the internet, and like, information being you know, pretty much everywhere, you can just learn uh, yourself, right? So I'm a big fan of basically uh, sort of creating this free market of education, right? So if you have your own, you know, your own educational currency, you just basically use that to learn in whichever way you think is best for you. So it's sort of self-determination in how you learn. Is it, is it your opinion then that people generally learn best themselves? They sort of know generally what they should be studying themselves as opposed to having a kind of a higher institution or another authority telling them what to learn? Yeah, I'm totally, uh, I totally believe that, right? So, I mean, if you look at what we're doing here at Sunlight, uh, specifically focusing in learning within companies, the change that you have from uh, companies basically using what they call a large mass system and basically teaching their employees passively, so basically just pushing information and content out to them, when they start using sunlight, it basically flips the model, right? So the employees, they feel like they have ownership of their learning. 
So the engagement basically goes through the roof, right? Because they feel invested in the decisions they make and the things that they are, you know, buying for the sunlight. So it just makes them feel much more, much more engaged and much more passionate about what they This is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you because there are tons of multinationals which friends of mine work in and they and I have experienced this sort of problem where you can feel somewhat constrained in what it is that you are able to upskill yourself on. Um, because you're there's a certain let's say set of curricula or there might be as well particular institutions which that company is happy for you to go to and do a night course or a part-time course but they it it, it's not that broad generally so i suppose with sunlight i can definitely see how this is something that's sort of quite revolutionary actually you know giving employees that autonomy to actually go and and learn themselves Um, so on that then, can you explain for people who haven't come across Sunlight yet, what would be the kind of typical user experience then if I'm, a, let's say, an employee and my company is using Sunlight? Yeah, sure. So basically, as an employee, you basically just log in, you have your own account, and you have your own personal wallet, and you have the basically the company wallet, right? So the company basically assigns a budget that you can use uh, in Sunlight, and that goes into your company wallet. Uh, but if you want, you can also have your own little personal wallet with you know any amount of credit that you want in there. And with that combined credit, you can basically just purchase anything in our marketplace. So we basically create different learning resources depending on what you are interested in. Or if you can't find anything in there, you can just basically ask for our concierge. So essentially, our promise is that we can get anything you like, whether it's online courses, going to a conference, uh, books, anything you like. That's phenomenal. So literally I could pick from a book on Amazon right through to something on Udemy or in fact look to book tickets to the web summit. Yeah, exactly. So for a lot of things, we do have integration. So it's like a one click buy. Uh, but for the other things, uh, like to be able to keep that promise, basically being able to use something that you like, we generate a virtual prepaid card. So you can only use it on purchasing that research that you asked for essentially. Um, and because anybody takes, you know, credit cards. Right? Yeah use anywhere really when you've pitched sunlight to companies and you've been talking to them about the platform you've demoed it what has the reaction been like has there been a degree of i suppose reticence have people (laughs) kind of been oh well this is actually left of field you know this is actually something so different from what we're doing at the moment or are they saying god this makes perfect sense yes so i mean definitely a lot of people are surprised uh because it's definitely something new out there um but they're interested, right? So like they, they want to like find out a bit more about you know what it's about. Um, some of the companies, they're like, yeah, this is amazing. We want to try it out immediately. Um, other companies are a bit more skeptical because again, I think it's, it's a change of the way that you think about learning as a whole and not just about that, but like as a company, you have to be ready and prepared to like give your employees freedom. And unfortunately, I think a lot of companies uh, still are kind of in the mindset of, you know, more control is better. When actually, in fact, I suppose it's that autonomy, which the modern worker is looking for these days. Exactly. Yeah. It's something that I've read about is how you see AI affecting the workplace and jobs. How yeah. is it that you see sunlight protecting or assisting employees in this age of advancing artificial intelligence? Yeah, sure. So this goes to uh, sort of the like a long-term problem that we're trying to solve. Uh, so it's estimated that half the jobs in the world are at risk of being automated in the next 30 years. And obviously, that's going to like pose a really big uh, need to upskill and retrain millions of people right, for new jobs. Um, so the way that we are thinking 
thinking about that, right, is that, for example, in Singapore, uh, they have this really progressive law in which they actually gave $500 uh, to each of the citizens uh, for them to spend on learning new skills. Okay, So it's kind of, they kind of build their own sunlight for the entire country, right? right. <laughs> which I found fascinating, right? Um, so I think these kind of policies are going to become more and more relevant and are going to be more uh, adopted really in the future. They have to be, right? Because I mean, you've got this massive problem basically people losing their jobs and needing to upskill. Um, so that's kind of like where we want to position something in the future. So it's something that just for companies, but for you know societies as a whole at some point. And so that leads to the question then, where is the sort of sweet spot for Sunlight in terms of the kinds of businesses that you're targeting or institutions? Yeah, totally. So current version that we have now, like our current uh, target is basically companies between 50 to 250 employees. Uh, so basically startups and maybe scale-ups, and we're just about now to launch new features, which also makes it attractive to enterprise customers. So that's basically uh, next year. Um, so right now we have customers like uh, Lost My Name, which is now called Wonderbly, uh, Skimlinks, Typeform, uh, and then we're talking to some bigger companies right now like Deliveroo, uh, Expedia, TravelX. Yeah. When it comes to those smaller companies, they may not have an internal learning portal or uh, set of, of procedures. But in the larger yeah. companies, they probably do have that. And they probably do have internal learning content as well. And I, one of the things that I was really intrigued by Sunlight was whether or not you can see Sunlight integrating with those current learning management systems. Yeah. Yeah. So for larger companies, um, I think it's definitely more of a complement than uh, like an only one solution. Uh, because like, let's say you want to use something at a bank, there's a lot of things that you need for, let's say, um, for compliance, right? You have to teach your employees a lot of you know, boring stuff that, you know, it's better handled through a different platform that handles that kind of stuff, right? Um, and then you have Sunlight for basically all your ad hoc learning, um, more what they call learning as a benefit kind of tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of our pitch for larger companies, right? So we can definitely integrate to something with your current LMS so we don't have to replace the whole thing. Uh, but you have this amazing experience for employees, for all the ad hoc things, for the things that they want to learn themselves. I suppose you've got a, a somewhat American accent, yet you're yeah. based in <laughs> London. How did that come about that you decided to set up shop in Europe as opposed to the States? Yeah, so when people ask me where I'm from, it's, uh, it's a really complicated question. So <laughs> 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 I was born in Venezuela, right? Uh, I have an Italian passport because my family is Italian. And then I lived uh, a couple of years of my childhood in the States. And then I studied in London. So a bit all over the place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that made the natural choice for London. What does the team look like, Carlos? Sure. So currently we are eight people. So there's me and my co-founder, Juan, who is also my brother. Um, we've got four developers. And then we have two people in customer success. How have you found working with family? Uh, a lot of people are surprised when I say we get along great, uh, especially it was like a lot of time when I was like fundraising for the seed round. Um, you get a lot of skeptical investors when, you hit, when you're pitching as brothers. You're right. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, definitely something to take into account if you're, you're a brother or a family funded team. And have you two worked together before in any startups or other projects? Yeah, we had. So uh, I guess that, that made things easier. So uh, in a previous company, I helped my brother out as well, a company called Academia. I'm guessing by the name, it was in the same sort of education space? It was, yeah, mostly for K-12. It was basically, uh, it was like an LMS, but for schools. Is Sunlight a, an extension of that original business or did Sunlight evolve from that business? 
Uh, no, not really. I'd say it's, it's mostly like a start from scratch kind of thing. Um, so Juan basically uh, kind of sold his share of the business two years ago. And uh, and that was that, basically. And then we decided to start something new. You mentioned there as well about having seed investment. Last month, you raised a, a circa 500k, I think, in sterling, in pound, yep. a seed round. Uh, so congratulations on that. Can you tell us a little bit about your investment to date and what you're looking to do with that investment. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so we raised half a million pounds, like you said, uh, from uh, Speed Invest, which they are pretty amazing investors. I recommend them to anyone who's listening. Um, Seed Camp and uh, Techstars as well. So essentially, what we want to do with the money is uh, build sort of this enterprise proposal, which we're launching for next year. So our product is really good for you know these sort of startups and scale-ups which is kind of a B-chip market. Mm. Um, but now that we're looking to go a little bit uh, up market, you know, go to these enterprise customers, uh, we're building new features, hiring a sales uh, team, and just generally looking to grow. Does that see you through 12, 24 months, or are you already planning your, your next round? Yeah, so it was good for 14 months, I believe, back when the money came in in uh, early October. And uh, yeah, we're probably gonna start fundraising again um, I'd say March of next year. And how do you find that as a CEO? Do you find that process stressful in that you're trying to create a business, but at the same time, you're trying constantly to ensure that you're attractive to prospective investors? It's almost like you're courting two different kinds of customer. One, the the businesses and also investors. Yeah, and this is something that every founder has to like deal with. You know, I think at least a lot of them, early stage founders don't really like it. And I'm one of them, I guess, because <laughs> again, it's, it doesn't feel like you're working on your product and your customers. Um, so it can be frustrating at times, right? Uh, but it's something that you have to do and you have to like learn how to do it well. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's no other way. <laughs> you just have to do it. You were saying that you're looking at enhancing the platform so that it's very attractive to enterprise customers as well. And yep. coinciding with that means bringing on a sales team. Yep. What does that look like in terms of, let's say, if there are people listening to this podcast right now and they're hearing about the company and they are attracted by you know what you're doing and your growth, what is it that, in terms of employees that you might be taking on in, in the next 12 months, what are the kind of roles that you're looking for? Uh, so immediately, we're just looking for uh, a salesperson. Uh, not a senior, just basically junior salesperson. Uh, that's been around for the past couple of years, and uh, an SDR. So right now, me and my brother are mostly doing sales on the side, and I think an SDR uh, is a really good sort of uh, first hire for early stage startups, just because you can offload all that sort of, um, I'd say boring work, but really sort of time-consuming work of finding prospects, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then looking to scale that, you know, hopefully hire a couple more salespeople and you know, as it goes, as it grows, you can, you can basically keep hiring more and more. With this round of investment, it's not necessarily that you're looking to build out the product team more. It's more on the business side of things. Yeah, totally. We just basically look into position ourselves for a bigger raise in, in those 12 months. If the smaller companies were your beachhead, do you see the enterprise companies being the more attractive space, which you want to be targeting? Or do you always think that maybe startups are, will be and scale-ups will be the place where you'll find a lot of your, your customer volume? Yeah, I mean, I think it's still uh, to be decided, right? Um, we're just getting into the enterprise uh, market, so we don't have much experience there. Uh, but we do think, obviously, 
there's more money there. There's definitely for sure. I think what you get from the startups and the scale-ups is this sort of uh, viral growth mechanism because <laughs> you get all these like cool little startups in you know, the Valley or London and you know the word spreads, right? Which is not something necessarily that if you just get one or two big customers, uh, it's not necessarily the case, right? You've only been around for 14 months, but mm-hmm. what is it that has allowed you to be most successful out of everything else? I'd say it would just be the ability for employees to easily request any learning resource in the world. Um, that's something that people have really loved and has kind of defined the rest of the product. Because again, it's sort of the, the, the thing that defines a different way of approaching L&D within companies, right? Because now employees have the ability to request things and they have all this freedom and they feel empowered, they feel invested in their learning. Yep. Um, so that's what's important, I think, for us. What does that look like? Let's say in the companies that have already adopted Sunlight, have there been metrics of success that you've been able to measure so far? Yeah, totally. So uh, a couple of independent sort of uh, um, <laughs> research or tests that they've done inside the companies uh, have actually shown that we've got to uh, over 30% engagement increase uh, before Sunlight to after Sunlight. When they were asked questions like, uh, do you have the right learning resources to your job uh, correctly um, and just general engagement of you know you know is this a, a place that you recommend other people to uh, work in um, so yeah a lot of uh, a good good feedback and good metrics from, from the companies you work with so the employees themselves are feeling more engaged in their workplace because of sunlight being one of those tools and bonuses that they're able to avail of in their companies yeah That's a very attractive thing for a prospective customer of yours listening to this, because one of the things that can be very hard in companies, isn't it, is to retain talent. Yeah. Tell me then, if there are challenges, let's say, that you've faced so far, what has allowed you to overcome those challenges? Uh, Like generally, or is it one specific challenge? (laughs) Probably specifically, because a lot of early stage founders will experience similar problems problems in terms of let's say trying to achieve product market fit or you know getting a product out the door and into the hands of the first customers yeah there's kind of typically a couple of moments over a startup's life even no matter how uh, old or how young that company is where the founders have kind of said this could make or break us this one thing could make or break us this this thing could actually make us close shop tomorrow or next week Um, have you had any of those moments yourself and your brother See, actually, yeah. I mean, so like one thing, like you said, we're only 14 months old. And uh, like one of the most, I guess, critical things for a startup of that, 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 that age, so young, uh, is basically the team, right? Um, so one of the biggest challenges we've had in those first six months is uh, we basically have a founder that was incompatible with us. So we actually started as three founders, uh, as opposed ah, okay. to just two words for now, right? Yeah. Um, so... I mean, again, I have to look at the numbers, but I think one of the biggest costs is of, of death for like smaller companies is basically uh, founder fallout. Yes. Um, so obviously, even though we you know took all the precautions, which I would definitely recommend and advise to every startup out there, uh, basically you know having things like vesting, um, and all these sort of you know set the rules per se right from the start. Um, it can obviously be really, really you know dangerous for for a company. Uh, when you realize that, you know, someone in the company you can't work with, right? Um, so again, we managed to like be super transparent. It was really open. I mean, 
as long as you know you you're 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 really open to you know talking things out i mean it, at the end it worked out uh but i remember at the time we were just starting to fundraise right so <laughs> even more critical at, at that stage when you're saying hey um we're we're we're, we're not going to have this person uh, the team any longer right and did that affect then how investors were looking at the company? Were they saying there are concerns here on our side because there is a bit of disruption internally in the company? There was, yeah, there totally was. Uh, but again, thankfully, uh, the whole thing was handled really well. And the founder went through who left uh, is also a great guy. So in the end, it was just sort of a soft sort of leaving, soft going away, uh, in which he kind of remains in the bicep for some time. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't that uh, disruptive per se. Uh, but definitely something that, you know, to be careful about when you're starting a company. Yeah. And that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. What is some of the advice you would give to someone who, let's say, is in an early stage startup or is creating one? What are some of the things that you would advise them on? Probably particularly as well, maybe we can talk about with regard to choosing founders or co-founders and those first initial hires. What are some of the things that you would advise people on? Um, so I think definitely, I mean, all about the team. So, I mean, before, before Sunlight, um, I also work at, at an accelerator called Techstars. And again, like these guys, you know, early stage companies, idea stage companies, um, it's really all about the team. Um, because the idea itself, it might change when you're trying to find product market fit. Um, so it's, it's really important for you to have a team that is able to navigate that path of basically changing if the idea changes. Um, and be able to execute as well. So making sure you have all the right skills, uh, whether it's you know having a person who can code, a person who can design, a person who can sell. Uh, it's all super important, right? Um, so as a general advice is uh, work before with the people uh, you think are your ideal founders. I mean, you might have a really sort of honeymoon stage in which you're excited about you know starting a company and you just want to you know get started. But it's really a good idea to just test the waters with the people you're going to be working with, um, and just uh, see if, we, if if you can, you know, if it works. And uh, and again, take all these sort of standard precautions. Super important uh, things like vesting and all that. In the instances of where, let's say, a founder has let's say coded some sort of MVP themselves and they're looking to hire in their first few people. You were saying the importance of having worked with uh, your first hires before, let's say in the absence of being able to do that, is there a way or a method that in interviews you're able to find the right person or actually discount out people who let's say don't, you don't think would fit in? Hmm. To be honest, I've, I've been lucky with, <laughs> in my experience to, uh, to know most of the people that I, I've worked with in the past. Uh, so I haven't had that that problem per se, um, but I mean, just standard things like you know, having someone refer the people uh, that you're thinking of hiring uh, is 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 very really valuable. Like a lot of times we have uh, people from our networks like TechStars or SeedCamp uh, ask us about other people, about investors, um, and if someone that we you know holding high regards recommends someone then that's probably a, a good indication that this person is 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 going to be a, a good hire, right? Or someone to work with. So if it's not you personally who has to work with someone, then someone else you trust in uh, might have 
work for him. And because you're a startup, do you look for people who have also got startup experience or do you like to see people from the likes of Facebooks, Googles, etc.? Well, to be honest, like for what they pay at Facebook and Google, <laughs> I'm not sure which startups are going to be able to like steal any uh, talent from there. But this there. is always the challenge, <laughs> isn't it? Because I suppose I'm based in Ireland and one of the challenges that the local startup ecosystem has here is that we do have Google here. We do have Facebook here. We do have Airbnb here. And yeah. it can sort of act as a vacuum of talent um, away from the startups. Yeah. Again, you're based in London, so you've got all the, the same challenges. So how do you kind of attract these great people into sunlight as opposed to going to them? Yeah, so something that... Um, so before uh, starting Sunlight, uh, we had this company called Academia, which is based out of Venezuela. And one of the things that we learned there is that it actually makes a lot of sense also to uh, just, well, basically our tagline currently at Sunlight is grow your people, right? So as opposed to always think about hiring the best talent and stealing people from Facebook or Google, which is going to cost a lot of money, um, one thing that has worked really well for us is actually hiring you know, junior people, uh, people that we believe in, and investing in them for them to, you know, um, to eventually become the, the the amazing employee that we've always wanted, right? And like one of the, the amazing things that you know, one of the side effects of this is that when you do that, um, then you know this this person is going to be you know incredibly more loyal than any other you know employee from all these companies like Facebook, Google, who might leave in a year or two. Mm. Because I suppose they're they've been given such an amount of opportunity with you within your company and exactly. been brought up internally. I think that's always it's always really rewarding for an employee to to experience that. But also there's something about a company that is willing to do that that's not always just going to hire in somebody for the next senior role, but will actually bring somebody up through the ranks. It's actually attractive as an employee or, or a, a prospective employee to see that because you know yep. within that company that there's opportunity for you. Yeah. And again, it creates a really nice culture in which, you know, people believe in, you know, investing in other people. So, mm-hmm. so what does success look like for you, Carlos? Yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm just a skip the sort of investor answer that I give based on KPIs, right? <laughs> and to say that, uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's really all about solving uh, a problem in the world and just uh, creating something that is valuable to people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I can do that, we can do it as a team, as a company, um, then I'd be more than happy and call it a success. To wrap up, for people who are listening to this podcast and let's say if they are potential customers or maybe they're an employee in a company and they really like the sound of sunlight and, and would love to recommend it on to their manager, or indeed yeah. if there are investors listening to this and they're interested in speaking with you, what should be the next step for these people? Yeah, sure. So just basically go to our website, uh, www.sunlight.is, mm-hmm. uh, or just feel free to write me at carlos.sunlight.is. I'm happy to answer any questions. And even for a prospective SDR or a salesperson, if they're looking to join a, an exciting education technology company, they should reach out to you directly? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, brilliant. Okay, well, Carlos, thank you so much for coming on to the show. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you and hearing about what you're planning to do with Sunlight over the next 12, 24 months. And I want to wish you, your brother, and all the team success going into 2018 and beyond. And I'm really excited to see what happens next. Yeah, thanks a lot, Nick. It was great being here. Thank you very much. As artificial intelligence is set to disrupt the face of work and jobs, we in capitalist societies need to begin asking what we can do to ensure our value in our roles. 
While the level of impact from increasingly sophisticated AI is debated, it is agreed by all that upskilling in education is key to our continued relevance in the workplace. Employees too are demanding more from their employers, with professional development now an expected career perk and not just a bonus for time served. Carlos has recognised the need for both and has built Sunlight to benefit employees and employers alike. For prospective customers, Sunlight is a truly innovative platform which enables your employees to upskill themselves, improve their sense of autonomy and engagement, and all the while adding even more value to you and your company. Businesses often worry about the adoption rate of new software and tools by their employees. The question is often asked, will staff even use it? Employees increasingly expect the apps and software they use at work to be as usable and delightful as those that they use in their personal lives. Carlos recognizes all of this, and after our call, I was given a sneak peek at some of the UI and features on the Sunlight Roadmap, and I, for one, am seriously impressed by the direction the product is headed. Carlos's passion for great design is clear to see on every page and from every interaction within Sunlight. The platform is a pleasure to use, and in the process, solves real problems for both companies and their employees. For those looking to join an exciting startup, Carlos is actively looking to build out a sales team with the initial hires of an SDR and an account executive. As we all know, to be successful in sales, you need to have a great product to sell, which you can believe in and which customers love. Sunlight ticks both of these boxes. Sunlight is set to expand into the enterprise sector and it's pretty clear that this is a startup which is angling to literally transform how companies, both large and small, improve and engage their workforce. The sky really is the limit for the new sales team. For investors, Sunlight's SaaS model is already proving to be successful with business customers, and the startup is exploring an affiliate model for marketplace items. Seedcamp and Annexion have doubled down on previous funding, and with Speed Invest leading the latest round, there is heavyweight support behind Sunlight's ambitions. Carlos and his co-founder brother Juan come to the table armed with domain expertise from a previous edtech startup, and Sunlight is actively growing its customer base. Carlos intends to start raising again in March 2018, and considering what he, his brother, and the rest of the team have achieved in just 14 months, Sunlight is extremely attractive to investors looking to take a stake in the growing edtech space. Thank you again to Carlos for taking the time out to talk to us about his startup. I'm really looking forward to keeping an eye out in Sunlight and seeing this business become a well-known name in the professional education space. If you'd like to learn more about Sunlight yourself, then simply visit sunlight.is. I hope you've enjoyed hearing about Sunlight and that you've enjoyed this episode of the show. If you'd like to learn more about Startup Scout, then just visit us at startupscouthq.com. There's some huge interviews coming down the line next month, and I cannot wait to bring these exciting early stage startup stories to you. Finally, if you like this episode and if you like the show, then please leave a review on iTunes. Leaving a review has a massive impact and really helps others to find the Startup Scout podcast and enjoy great episodes just like this. Thank you again and ciao for now.